these are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. Game recap show. I'm going to get into the numbers. I'm going to give out some player awards, but just talk about this game a little bit more. I give my live reaction right after the game. And of course, you always want to go back and look at some of the things, some of the numbers, make sure what you are seeing really translates to how the game was played. And I think we can learn a lot from the 49ers numbers versus the Los Angeles Rams. It was still a very important victory for the 49ers. They had to get a win against divisional rival Los Angeles and being able to go on the road to Pittsburgh and win against Pittsburgh and then come back home only to travel, albeit a short trip, but to Los Angeles to play a division foe and get a victory and improve to 2-0 is exactly what the 49ers needed to do. There has been conversations all during the offseason that Kyle Shanahan and this 49ers team often start slow, with 2019 being the off year at which they went 8-0 to start the season. So it was imperative that the 49ers got off to a quick start, and so far they have. Now, the Pittsburgh game was utter domination. The 49ers handled them on offense, handled them on defense, and really uh, just took care of business in Pittsburgh. But with Los Angeles became new challenges. Of course, a familiar foe also means they know more about you than pretty much anyone else. The fact that Sean McVay has coached with Kyle Shanahan uh, on several uh, different occasions, but also the fact that Mike LaFleur joined the staff during the offseason and he was run game or sorry, pass game coordinator for Kyle Shanahan for a while. It gave the, the Rams a little bit of an advantage on how Kyle Shannon approaches offense now compared to when McVay worked with him way back in 2012, 2013, that area. So this was a fresh look Rams team, a lot of different players. You still had some of the great ones, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, a lot of talent. Of course, they're missing Cooper Cup, which is a big part of their offense. But they have two young studs stepping up in Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell, and both of them played well in this game. So let's let's talk about this game a little bit further and how the 49ers went about getting it. And when you look at some of the numbers, uh, it was a it was an interesting matchup because I thought the Rams did some things really well. Uh, they got seven more first downs than the 49ers did. 28 first downs. It was impressive. One of the things that we always talk about is third down efficiency. And in the third down efficiency area, the Rams were great again. Last week against Seattle, they were 64% conversions, conversion rate on third down. This week against the 49ers, 50%. And 50% on fourth down as well. Now, one of those fourth downs that they, they fail on is a great play by Isaiah Oliver that ends up being pivotal in this game. So the 49ers did make stops when they needed. But having that number, a 7 of 14 on third down, for the Los Angeles Rams. And I know they did really well, but the 49ers can't afford to allow teams to convert at that high of a rate. 49ers finished top six in the NFL 
in 2022 in third down efficiency, and they were at 45%. We're talking about allowing a Rams team at 50%. That would rank one of the top two or three teams in the entire league. And right now, I believe the Rams are one of the top two or three teams as far as third down efficiency. How do they do it? They stay ahead of the sticks. What I mean is they cause third and manageable situations, third and four and below. Those are situations the 49ers struggled in in 2022 as well. Whenever they were faced with a third and one, they often were converted on. So the 49ers know short yardage, third down situations are not a great situation for their football team. So the 49ers need to make sure they keep third and long. Third and six plus is the best situation for the San Francisco 49ers to be successful as a defense. And the Rams were definitely doing a really good job, including running the football. Nine first down conversions on the ground. And anytime you get a quarterback that throws the ball 55 times and nine of those conversions were on the ground, you think that they've got it going. And there was that one portion the end of the first half where the Rams ran five consecutive run plays and the last one resulting in a touchdown. It looked like they were starting to establish a run game and take over this game on the ground. The 49ers did not allow that to happen in the second half. But you're looking at trends of how the Rams went about doing things on offense and how the 49ers counteracted. And that wasn't a recipe for success, especially you know early on in the football game. But third down efficiency was something the 49ers definitely have to get better at. And also just staying ahead, not allowing teams to stay out of the sticks, but you stay ahead and cause these third and long uh, situations. Total plays, they ran 24 more plays than the San Francisco 49ers. They ran 78 plays in this game. Total yardage is pretty equivalent. The Rams at 386, the 49ers at 365. Both teams got 10 drives in this game equal. When you start looking at the certain numbers, you'll get an idea of what the Rams were doing offensively. The San Francisco 49ers um, get a situation where uh, they get the their total uh, their total yards per play at 6.8%. Uh, so 6.8% or 6.8 yards per carry, really good with the Rams at 4.9. So under five, and that's a little bit of a difference. It shows the 49ers getting chunk plays and that's ultimately what you want to get as a offense. The 49ers did it better than the Rams. The Rams were very content with checking the ball down, taking the first read, taking what the defense gave them, whether it was a three-yard pass or a seven-yard pass. It didn't matter that Matthew Stafford was going to hit his back foot. He was going to locate what zone they were in, and he was going to deliver the football to that receiver. And then the 49ers had to rally and make tackles. So they really were getting picked apart as far as in the secondary uh, when it came to how they're running zone coverage and in the execution of Matthew Stafford. Not all quarterbacks in this league are on the level of Matthew Stafford as being able to be as accurate as he was in this game, getting the ball out consistently. Usually you'll get a missed throw here, a missed throw there, and then that will put the offense in a difficult position and allow the defense to put pressure on the quarterback. Unfortunately, with the way that he was able to get rid of the football in this game, it didn't allow the pass rush time to get home. Steve Wilkes had to get very creative in the second half, blitzing and forcing Stafford's hand, taking away uh, the early read by having more uh, 
coverage that was more locked on, uh, more in your face, attached to these receivers and not allowing as much space in the zone. It was very important to go ahead and take away first reads and bring pressure and force him to try to locate his hot read, come off the first read, locate the hot read. And a lot of times that caused errant throws. And that's really important in this game. And it ends up being a big reason why the 49ers, you know, get the victory. So uh, I'm looking at the, the overall, uh, you know, numbers for the 49ers and 159 yards on the ground is so impressive. That's what you've got to do. You had 28 rushing attempts. That's 5.7 average. That's a good number. The Rams ran the ball 22 times for 89 yards at four yards a carry. So 49ers still hold the Rams under 100 yards rushing. Last week, they only gave up 41 yards. Uh, this time, it's it's even less than that. So that's really impressive. And I think, you know, when you're talking about 49ers, that's what they have to do. They have to keep these teams uh, from running the football consistently and being able to get yards on the ground. And that's what I want to see from the 49ers. I want to see them holding up in the run game because if they do, that's going to force more third and longs, especially as we move through this season. So penalties, both teams had six penalties that pretty much leveled out. It appeared the 49ers were going to be the more penalized team in this game, but uh, six for 57 for the 49ers and six for 55 for the uh, Los Angeles Rams. So penalties, uh, not really an issue in this game. They even out. As far as red zone efficiency, the 49ers were three for five in the red zone and the Rams were two of three. So Rams continue to be very successful in the red zone. Last week, they had three rushing touchdowns in the red zone. This week, they had a couple red zone touchdowns on the ground. So you're seeing areas of strength for the for the Rams, areas of strength for the 49ers. So the 49ers need to uh, get better at red zone defense against the run. You can't allow teams when they get into the red zone to be able to dictate and get touchdowns. You have to stiffen up and force field goals. So that number right there kind of gives you an idea of area the 49ers need to get a little bit better at. And that was one thing I was curious about during the week is I brought up the fact that they had scored three touchdowns, the Rams, in the red zone, and could the 49ers' defense hold up? 49ers had only given up 41 yards on the ground in the game one uh, game against Pittsburgh. This one, they give up 89. So it was definitely doubled up, uh, but there wasn't the overall conviction from Sean McVay to continue to run the football. Throwing 55 times, it wasn't really predetermined by how the 49ers were stopping the run game. The 49ers gave up some carries, but McVay wasn't willing to stick with it throughout the whole game. So that's advantage 49ers. When you look at turnovers, this is one of the huge ones. The San Francisco 49ers forced two turnovers in this game and could have easily forced three or four. Deshaun Gibson should have had an interception for sure. But you have the two big interceptions. Isaiah Oliver on the, the tip. He's standing behind Kyron Williams. Ball bounces right off Kyron Williams' hands. Should have been a completion. He drops it. Isaiah Oliver driving on the football. Right place, right time. Interception. Huge because of field position. Uh, that was, a, that was a, a situation. It looked like the Rams were inevitably going to get points, whether that was a touchdown or a field goal. Instead, it ends up being a turnover that the 49ers can take advantage of, take off precious time off the clock, get points. That's all huge and pivotal. And then Diameter Lenore 
with the interception over the middle. It's man coverage. He's one-on-one. He undercuts the route and picks it off. Spectacular play by the hyena, Diameter Lenore. So those two turnovers were huge. Brock Purdy in the offense, no turnovers. We did see a couple balls go on the ground, which were nerve-wracking, especially when Brock Purdy uh, and Jake Brendel had the mishap with the snap. He gets it. That was a sigh of relief. And then Debo along the sidelines also put a ball on the ground as well. So those types of situations you want to limit. But I think when you're looking at the 49ers, they're still holding on to you know, the, the turnover differential. And the 49ers have forced four turnovers so far this season, and they've given up just a one, the Brock Purdy strip sack from J.J. Watt in week one. Uh, so you've got a plus three right now. 49ers were plus 13 on the season last year. Continuing this trend is winning football. Of course, you have to win the turnover battle and win third down efficiency uh, conversion rates to be a championship caliber football team. So a little bit better in third down could make this team even better. So let's talk about time of possession because that's always very important. Occupying the ball, keeping your defense off the field. And there was close to a six and a half minute difference. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams had the ball for 33 minutes and 11 seconds. The 49ers, 26 minutes and 49 seconds. So the 49ers lose uh, that thing, that that part of it, the time of possession. But the way that they were executing on offense with chunk plays uh, somewhat was the reason they couldn't occupy the clock as much. But they did consistently have good drives. The fact that there was only seven possessions in the first half is is interesting. There ends up being 13 possessions in the second half, 20 possessions in the whole game. So the 49ers and Rams did a very good job of keeping the other team's offense off the field. The second half, it got a little bit more interesting, but first half, it was like they were scoring on long drives every time. 49ers scoring on two of their first three. Rams scoring on their first three drives. And then, of course, 49ers scoring on their fourth drive of the first half, which ends up being so pivotal in the game. All the momentum in the world is with the Rams after that touchdown with a minute 45 to go up 7, 17, 10. Then the thought is the 49ers have no timeouts. How far can Brock Purdy take them? Can he get them into Jake Moody territory? And they go boom, 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 down the field, march right down. Then when he's in the red zone, he makes a lot of smart decisions, throws passes away, allows them more opportunities. You get fourth and one. One second left from the goal line, quarterback sneak, touchdown, evens it out at half, and you feel, oh, here we go. You know, it's even now. That was such a big drive and a big uh, just vote of confidence from Kyle Shanahan because we've seen him try to slow play it, run play, see if you get any positive yards. If not, completely slow it down. Afraid to take risks. Well, he wasn't afraid to take risks with Brock Purdy at the helm. He was ready to go out there and make it happen. So I thought those were really big you know, parts of this game uh, that showed up. And the 49ers, you know, you look at the numbers, and the, the Rams definitely won in a lot of categories. Uh, but the categories that really matter, including score, uh, turnovers, um, you know, those types of things, uh, yards per carry, run yards, all those things in the 49ers' favor. 
And that's ultimately some of the things you have to win on. So when I did my my wow that's bold predictions last week I went two and zero. So this week I stepped it up. I did four predictions in this game. I had Brock Purdy throwing three touchdowns. That didn't happen. He didn't throw any. They took the Debo one away from him, made it a run play. No big deal, right? Well, Brock Purdy doesn't get that. The streak ends. So I was wrong on that offensive one, but I was right on my second offensive. Uh, while that's bold, Colton McKivitz gave up zero sacks, had a good game, and so he can build off of that. Yes, TJ Watt got him, but this week he played at a high level. And then my two on defense forced two turnovers. The 49ers did that. They forced two turnovers and two interceptions, and I even said Diameter Lenore was going to have one of those interceptions, so I was correct on that. I was wrong. I thought the 49ers defense would be able to hold the Rams under 35%. On third down, the Rams got 50%, so they still executed at a high level. I thought the 49ers defense was going to force more third and longs and be able to get off the field, but that was not the case in this game. So uh, two right on the Wild That's Bold, two wrong. I'll take it, though. Four and two overall in the season in my Wild That's Bold predictions. And, you know, when it comes down to it, you're, you're just trying to be as correct as possible. I did pick the 49ers to win the game 31 to 17 and the four yards of course went 30 to 23 uh because of the late field goal uh so not too far off on that i had the 49ers getting to 30 again they did it and that's exactly you know what you want the 49ers to do is be able to execute and and get it done and then you know some of the some of the other things you know was these were the, my matchups the 49ers had to win on defense it was demo and isaiah oliver versus tutu and puka I think once Oliver got in, he played really well, especially with Demo going out. So uh, that was an interesting matchup. Puka still crazy numbers. He's looking really good. Tutu Atwell looked good, too. I don't think they slowed him up. Uh, but those two guys were catching on. Charveris Ward, Yamato Lenore, uh, pretty much everyone. And then the 49ers D-line versus the Rams O-line completely neutralized by the fact that uh, the Matthew Stafford got rid of the football so quick. Uh, the 49ers linebackers and safeties handled Tyler Higby pretty well. And then red zone run game versus 49ers defense. Rams did really good in that category. Those were areas I thought the 49ers needed to win. And I felt like the Rams were winning most of those. Uh, so that's why I put those as matchups the 49ers needed to win. And I think they only got one, you know, significantly out of that. I think Oliver did help tip that one in the table, you know, the tables of the nickel corner roll, which is what I was talking about in the favor of the 49ers but they were still struggling on the outside. Uh, 49ers run game versus Byron Young and Michael Hoyt. Uh, 49ers definitely won that. McCaffrey being able to get on the edge pretty consistently. The little extended plays to Debo Samuel as well. I thought 49ers did take advantage of that. Brandon Ayuk versus Akilah Witherspoon happens somewhat. Ayuk injury somewhat makes this more neutral, but I think that could have been a real problem uh, for all of them. And then McCaffrey versus Roseboom and, and Jones didn't really materialize. Warriors didn't use McCaffrey as much in the passing game for a second straight week. Uh, so those are things they're going to have to work. And then Shanahan's use of personnel groupings, once again, was just, I mean, he, he's just got something there, right? I mean, it's just, it's special. So what I want to do now is I want to give away some awards of, you know, for some grades for some of these players. I want to go over the positions and, you know, just kind of talk about how these guys 
did. Of course, I'm going to get more in-depth in the game film breakdowns. You can check that out over on Patreon. I have all the breakdowns from the Steelers game. And, of course, there's going to be all the breakdowns from this game as well. So head on over to Patreon, and you'll get a real feel about how I feel play-to-play. And I don't just talk about the play. I break it down. So I talk about technique, what the team is doing here, what Kyle is doing, and then exactly how it's executed, what it was supposed to look like. Uh, So technique, design, play call, down and distance. We get into all of it. And so it's a real in-depth look at each, each play. And it's from my perspective, it's the same way when I used to coach how I would break it down. So if you guys are interested in that, hop over there. Of course, I'm going to have episodes coming out during the week where I explain a lot of it as well, just less with the film study. It'll just be coming more from my film study. And of course, like, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're listening on audio platform, uh, give it a five-star rating. Really appreciate that. But there's some awards I want to give because I feel like there's players that really stepped up in this game. And I want to start on the offensive side of the ball with my straight beast offensive player of the week. Great beast offensive player of the week was uh, pretty easy for me. I'm going to give it to Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel did a really good job in this football game, being able to uh, attack the opposing defense. And Kyle used Debo in not just the passing game, but the run game as well. So Debo catches the ball six times for 63 yards. Uh, That's a 10 average. So Debo had five for 55 last week, six for 63 this week, pretty much on Uh, the same par that he did against the Steelers. But then he chips in in the run game with five attempts for 38 yards. That's a 7.6 average, which is the highest rushing average on the team. Um, Christian McCaffrey was at 58. But then he also has a touchdown. And so Debo Samuel doing it on on the ground, doing it through the air, is the reason I make him the straight beast on offense. I think there were other players that had really good games, including Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey did it real big. 20 attempts, 116 yards. That's 5.8 yards per carry. And that big 51-yard explosive play off the left side following Jennings, Kittle, uh, Trent Williams. It was a nice executed play. And he got deep down the field and then ended up putting uh, a killer witherspoon in the ground, which I absolutely love. So I thought McCaffrey played well in this game. And then Jawan Jennings played really, really good as well. Two catches for 51 yards. 25.5 yards per uh, per catch, a 31-yard long, and he almost had another really big play where him and Brock Purdy just weren't able to hook up. Brock overthrows Jawan Jennings a little bit, but to me, you see the success again from the offense, guys stepping up and making plays, and in this one, Debo and Christian McCaffrey, you sprinkle in a little Jawan Jennings and Brandon Ayuk, and it's a recipe for success. So that's why Debo is my straight beast of the week. Over on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to give away my award for the block is hot defensive player of the week. Defensive player of the week. This one is going to be interesting because I don't think a lot of people would really expect uh, for for me to pick this because, you know, it's this a much maligned player. Uh, there's a lot of players that have been getting grief, but this guy may have gotten more grief since the first preseason game than any player on this team, and that's Isaiah Oliver. And Isaiah Oliver stepped up in this game and had three pivotal plays. 
And those three pivotal plays were they're playing quarters. There's a ball thrown out to the sideline. He comes up and he makes the tackle ahead of the sticks and forces the guy out of bounds. That was a big play. That was what everyone got mad about in the preseason when he missed the tackle uh, on the tight end in the game versus the Denver Broncos. He executes in this one. Then he has the interception on the tip drill. It bounces off Kyron Williams' hands. He intercepts it. That's a huge play. Right place, right time. And then on the fourth and two towards the end of the game, it's it's a, a big one. You could get this stop. You get the ball back. Use more clock. He fills in the hole. He's playing nickel corner. He comes downhill, fills in the hole. There looks like there's going to be a lane, and he comes through, and he nails uh, Kyron Williams' legs, and then it gets cleaned up right after that. And so three pivotal plays. You can't say Isaiah Oliver wasn't a big force and big impact in this game. So I was very happy to see that. This is why Coach Steve Wilkes and the 49ers front office brought Isaiah Oliver here. And yes, the criticism, some of it was well-warranted, some of it a little bit overhyped. I think if you guys have been listening to me consistently, I've said I felt like he's gotten better every single game. It wasn't as bad as what everyone has been saying. That was similar to what John Lynch had been saying as well. And I think now we're seeing him come into his own, and we needed him. Because in this football game, the 49ers started the same way that they started Pittsburgh, with Diameter Lenore going into the nickel and Ambry Thomas playing on the outside. Shortly after, Ambry Thomas was injured. He had a knee problem, and the 49ers brought in Isaiah Oliver. Once Isaiah Oliver caught, got in, and really once the second half, they started blitzing him, and he started getting... Uh, up there and making plays, he really got a, a good feel for this 49ers defense. What I liked was suddenness, lack of hesitation, physicality, everything you wanted to see from Isaiah Oliver as a big nickel you saw in this game. So I was very happy with Isaiah Oliver. Does it mean he's arrived? No. Does it mean he's got work to do? Because you got to be consistent in this league. You got to continue to week in and week out produce. Yes. And every week, you're going to have a different matchup, whether that's in the run game or that's playing a big tight end or a big receiver in the slot or a quick receiver in the slot. So Isaiah Oliver is going to have to respond. But this is good news for the 49ers in the fact that now they've got somebody that potentially stepping up to the plate because I'm going to make no bones about it. Yamina Lenore is the best corner outside opposite of Charverius Ward. It's not Ambry Thomas. So every time Ambry Thomas comes on the field, the 49ers aren't as good. So that is, it's not like I'm saying Ambry Thomas is a bad player. Just Diameter Lenore is better. So when Lenore's on the outside, that's best for the 49ers. So they need to get the nickel corner spot figured out. If Isaiah Oliver's that guy, he plays to the level he played at in this game against the Rams. The 49ers are going to feel really comfortable about their secondary because the Rams kept the 49ers in sub-nickel package more than they played the entire Pittsburgh game. They only saw Oren Burks on a couple of occasions. So teams that want to keep the 49ers in nickel, if Isaiah Oliver plays up to this level, they might want to see if it's a better opportunity for them to go against Oren Burks in the 4-3. Something to monitor as we transition to this Thursday game versus the New York Giants. So those are my awards. Uh, you get to see kind of how this game played out by the numbers. I look forward to getting into the film so I can get even a deeper dive and make sure that everything that we saw on surface watching the first time and, and playing it back, we get more numbers. We'll get a better idea of how this game was played. But I think it was pretty easy to see that Stafford 
was executing at a high level, getting the ball out quickly. That negated the 49ers pass rush. And once the 49ers figured out a way to muddy up his reads, take away his first option, they were able to get pass rush and definitely able to blitz him and make him feel uncomfortable. Those adjustments from Steve Wilkes give me a lot of optimism about this 49ers defense. And as far as the offense, Brock Purdy wasn't electric. He did miss some plays down the field, but he didn't turn over the football. He managed the offense, and the offensive playmakers made plays when they needed to make them. So big props to the 49ers. Bounce back week for the offensive line. I thought they played well. This is the recipe for success. Can the 49ers make it 3-0? I think it's as simple as learning from your mistakes, getting as healthy as you can headed into this New York Giants game. But there's going to be plenty of content coming out this week, whether it's right here on YouTube or over on Patreon. Join either way, either one all the time. There's going to be content uh, because everything's moved up. Game on Thursday. I'll be live with Mark Adams over on the PSF app. Download the app. Join the chat room. Conversation all week, but also live streams, including a preview show on Wednesday. Of course, my preview show will be here on YouTube on Wednesday. So join in all the fun. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers.